Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sitting on his throne of bones, the evil wizard Skeletor cackles maniacally. He has finally overtaken Castle Grayskull, and the power of the universe is about to be under his control. It is then that a lone figure of Blade steps into the chamber, a man with two swords, a pair of sunglasses, and deep, deep confidence is standing tall. Do you expect to stop me? Skeletor shouts at the figure. No. Blade responds, I expect to kill you. And Blade lunges at the sorcerer with kill shots in mind. It's Eric versus Keldor. It's the Daywalker versus the Overlord of Evil. It's Blade versus Skeletor. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters in the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Shocktober concludes with our fourth episode with another out-of-the-box matchup that when you kind of take a look at it from a distance, maybe overhead, underneath it, and from different angles, makes complete sense. In one corner, you have Blade, the iconic vampire hunter from Marvel, versus Skeletor, and even, in my opinion, more iconic animated villain from the 1980s golden age of cartoons, who is coming back for a redemption match in order to avenge a previous loss on the Who Would Win show. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and I did not find any instance of this battle being mentioned or discussed online anywhere at all, online, Google, Bing, Whatever else, ask Jeeves, nothing, which means this is yet another premier geek culture battle for the Who Would Win show. Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base, you are indeed welcome. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? 
I love these battles. I love any chance I can bring redemption to Skeletor, one of my favorite characters in, quite frankly, all of fiction. I want more ways to work Skeletor into the mainstream culture. Heck, when I first moved to Los Angeles, one of my very first sketch comedy bits I ever wrote was, what would it be like to share an office job with Skeletor as your cubicle partner? It, it, he's really a joy. That sketch was a joy. And, and everything about him is an absolute joy. Now, people might think to themselves, this is the last match of Shocktober. This feels a little mainstreamy and not necessarily Shocktober-themed, but we have a half-vampire assassin uh, squaring off against a dark, evil uh, sorcerer with a skull for a face. If you really break it down and take a look at it from a far view, this is as sh Shocktober as it absolutely gets. Oh, absolutely. You have a, a somewhat demonic evil evil personified type of character versus half vampire i believe it's called a damp fear right half vampire fear, half yeah. human this is absolutely in essence shocktober at its finest you know we we try our best ray to kind of rep the characters but I, you know something happened this past week and i want to get your take on it so before i kind of say this i gotta ask you a question after a loss as rare as you say they may be do you ever get um confronted, for lack of a better term, by the fandom of that character you, in their words, misrepresented? I mean, frankly, I've never misrepresented a character in my life. So no, this is not something that I would be worried about because anybody who listens to the show for any period of time whatsoever comes to the natural conclusion that Ray is right, that I should win every single battle because I am out here repping each character to their maximum efficiency while staying within the framework of who would win discussion. So no, James, I understand why people would get mad at you for the way you handle characters. It doesn't happen to this guy right here. Yeah, that's right, Ray. It happens to me as well. So when these people, for some reason, just identify with these characters, look, Ray and I, I'll speak on Ray's behalf, we try our best to bring justice to these characters, to rep them. We do way too much research. Our wives have told us this. I'm not, I'm, again, Ray, I'm assuming yours has. Mine has. We spent way too much research and time on the show. It's all we, we talk try about, best. James. It's all that's, we talk about. That's it. There's nothing else to talk about whatsoever. But yet... I still get hit by people saying, how could you not get the win? Not, a, not that I did something wrong, mind you. Not that I didn't say enough or whatever. They're like, how could you not get the win? As if I didn't do enough. As if I could have bribed the judge more. If I could have swayed something. I have no idea what it is. I just want to put a message out to the fandoms of every character we represent and the future characters we're going to represent. We're trying our best to rep this character that you love, that you identify with, that you're trying, that you think somehow you're connected to and that you really are in real life if you had that choice the deal is we're sometimes gonna win and sometimes we're gonna lose but i guarantee you we always try to rep that character to the best of our ability right you gotta agree with me on this one that we both try insanely hard to rep these characters the first thing that we talked about when i first joined the show all those many moons ago was that every single episode is going to be respect for the characters that we are repping. So there are very specific things that we do not do on the show. There's very specific ways we talk about the characters that we agreed from day one we were not going to do on the show. When you see a character's name uh, on the title of an episode, you will know that whoever is repping him and the other person as well is coming in very respectful of the character at hand and we will be repping them and in some cases introducing them to hopefully legions of new fans. That's right. I have zero respect for Ray or anything he stands for or says, but 
the character that he represents, I will always respect that person. Not what Ray says about them, but absolutely, that character is on a pedestal with respect coming from me. With that being said, we have a judge today who's all about respect, who I'm sure will shine some light on this very subject. So, making another appearance on the Hulu Win Show. It's the host of The Break Room on the new Rockstar channel on YouTube from 3 to 4 every day. Subscribe now so you can check it out. It's fan favorite and comedian extraordinaire. It's the one and only. It's Tommy Bechtold. Tommy, welcome back to Who Would Win. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I'll tell you what it means to me. Just about everything. It's great to be back, guys. My mom says she likes the length of my hair, but she'd like if I trimmed my beard. Just wanted to give you an update on that. Uh, Sorry about the abusive fan bases. I just want to say to all the listeners out there, if I say something to offend one of your favorites, be it Blade or Skeletor, uh, you can uh, you can write me at nine 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 Boulevard, and I will get back to you <laughs> as soon as humanly possible. Let's get going. Oh, Tommy Bechtold, you are a pleasure. Uh, you know, you, you always do so many great things, and you're on the new Rockstars channel. Tell yes. the Legion of Audience all about that, how to subscribe to it, what to do, how to consume everything, all yes. the good news that is Tommy Bechtold. Well, if you like Skeletor, and especially if you like Blade, you will like new Rockstars. We cover everything that you love about nerddom on the internet. We also sell pretty fun merch to do uh, that has to do with all your favorite titles, Marvel, DC, Star Wars especially a little Game of Thrones and occasionally some Lord of the Rings mixed in. We do deep dives on all your favorite TV shows and uh, and uh, blockbuster cinematic experiences. Our live stream is basically a daily news uh, news debrief with some hot takes on all of the, uh, you know, the ever-shifting calendars and castings and writing uh, assignments that go around these mega franchises, especially Blade, which was recently delayed uh, and lost its director and is now in search of, I think, believe both a new writer and director, but not a new star. Mahershal Ali is hanging in there, guys. He's going to be He's going to be Blade, and he's going to be amazing, I, I believe, truly. I think so, too. I think so, too. So, Tommy, you know, you've been on the show quite a few times, and we love it whenever you're on. So does our fan base. Yeah. But, you know, to that point, you know, getting hit up by the individual fandoms. Ray, I remember when you were defending Twilight Sparkle versus Lobo. You mm. came a little short in that battle, and I know the uh, bronies really? and every other communities came after you. We were pretty vicious as well. Tommy, I mean, what what can we do to appease uh these fans, the people who listen, who are like, hey, you didn't rep our character, or how dare you not get the win? What are we supposed to do about this? Well, within reason, I think you can listen. I always, you know, we used to do a show called Comic Book Live at Improv Olympic, where we would do an improvised comic book uh, and play characters. And, uh, you know, we would have passionate fans. We'd go around to conventions, and we'd have fans of the characters we were playing. And I drew the line uh, with a fan when I was playing Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, and I said something about not being a blogger and this man ran up to me as though he was going to assassinate me at the end of the show and said actually in this run of superman comics clark kent played a blogger and i said you got to get away from me right now i (laughs) i i i think uh respect is both given and received right if someone comes at you and says hey i'm a huge fan of Doug Funny from the show Doug, and I felt like you misidentified the color of his sweater vest, and that would have helped him defeat Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. But I, but I only say this as someone who listens to the show and is a fan. You can go ahead and give that a heart, a thumbs up. You can say, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'll be more diligent next time, whether you mean it or not. But if someone feels the need to insult you or make you feel bad about something you did to provide entertainment for them, 
Well, they can write to me at 999 Boulevard, and I'll handle it for the three of us. <laughs> That's a horrible street in uh, Hollywood, by the way. It's a bad name. It's a bad neighborhood. But, yeah. man, the restaurants are mwah, so good. <laughs> okay, all right. You'll, this ne- is- you'll never eat better than when you're on. I always say that. Sage advice. From the wise and all-knowing Tommy Bethold. All right, listen, we have the finale of Shocktober. It's uh, Ray has already won Shocktober, by oh, the yeah, way. By you the way, three. happy Shocktober to all who celebrate. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I've already That's- won. It's been very happy for me. I'm going for the four-game sweep today. And wow. when I win, you guys, I haven't decided exactly which obscure character I'm going to force onto this fan base. I'm leaning towards Captain Carrot from DC Comics right now, but that's not guaranteed. It could be it could be literally anybody. I know a lot of obscure characters, and if you don't think Captain uh, Carrot and his amazing zoo crew belong on the Who Would Win show, then you better root for Blade really hard today. What, now, was root a pun? Was root a pun? Oh. Carrot, root. Oh, don't don't get me started, Tommy. Ray, you're you're the reason we can't have nice things on this show. I'm just putting that out there. I'm just putting that out there. All right, listen. It's the end of Shocktober. We have an amazing judge with Tommy Bechtold. We have Skeletor versus Blade. We have everything we need to have another classic episode of Who Would Win. So with that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the half-vampire who's somehow both an all-star and the sharpest tool in the shed. Blade. And representing Mattel, the skeleton wizard who recently bought a Harley Davidson motorcycle. I guess he was bone to be wild. Skeletor. Wait, so, so Skeletor's repping Mattel, not Masters of the Universe. No. <laughs> He not, represents not toys animation. and will always represent toys, regardless toys. of what version we're using. <laughs> and, uh, and Harley Harley Davidson, also another sponsor we may not be getting for the Who Would Win show after that. I mm-hmm. really well thought done, I Ray. could get through that without breaking, but I got Tommy Bechtold over here no. just losing it. <laughs> Bone to be wild was not on my... Not on my list of things that Ray was going to say today. <laughs> I always make a list every morning just in case Ray calls it's of happen. what I might hear from him. But I uh, I feel boned to be wild right now. Let's get it on, guys. Let's get it. Sounds scary. All right. Well done, Ray. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three. The debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, there's a whole bunch of versions of Skeletor. Which one are you using today? I would, I look, I want to get my win. I want to get my redemption. I want to get four in a row with the 80s cartoon version of Skeletor. If I took anything but Filmation Skeletor, I would not respect myself in the morning. It's going to be 80s cartoon Skeletor. Good for you to start to respect yourself first in the morning. That's new. That's fantastic. All right. I really love Blade from the Wesley Snipes movies, the, the first two anyway. But the most powerful version, as usual, is from the Marvel 616 current comic book universe. I got to go with that one because that just makes too much sense. All right. Rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. 
Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating the opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or salvage logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Hoodwin store to get your very own Hoodwin merchandise and accessories. Go to hoodwinstore.com to get your hands on some Hoodwin merch right now as you listen to this episode, because that's just freaking awesome. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Felicia Day, and I'm the host of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast. In every episode, I'm going backstage for an all-access look at what it took to bring Middle-earth to life. I'll even have the first full breakdown of the incredible season finale with the series showrunners, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. I will be sharing juicy behind-the-scenes stories and processing all the holy crap moments with the members of the cast and crew. Numenor has got to be the most amazing thing ever, and we wanted it to just be the greatest kingdom of men that ever existed. The elves are arrogant and vain. They're not beyond being corrupted. Can, can I just say, watching Owen Arthur eat in his full regalia is the most hilarious thing. So if you want to deep dive into every episode, watch The Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app now. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. 
I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's gonna do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Skeletor. Skeletor is a skull-faced sorcerer who battles He-Man for control of Eternia. He was created by Mark Taylor, voiced by Alan Oppenheimer, and first appeared in the mini-comic He-Man and the Power Sword in 1981, which came along with the toy line. Skeletor is a great leader who fought in the Great Wars and conquered many galaxies. After falling through a dimensional rift into the land of Eternia, Skeletor gathers what minions he has in an effort to take Castle Grayskull and continue to conquer the entire universe with that power. Skeletor has enhanced physical abilities and wields dark magic in his quest to conquer the universe, which is often uh, brought to a heel by the fact that his friends and henchmen in the world of Eternia are incompetent, and he just has to deal with moving them around as best he can. Fun fact, Skeletor is considered one of the OG 1980s cartoon villains, but one thing that was never made clear was, does he have a neck? The answer is... We don't know. You see, in the 1980s cartoon, his cowl was always covering that part of his body and the place where a neck should be was always covered in just enough shadow to not show one. Even in moments of the show where his cowl was pulled back, it was left just on the cusp of showing us whether there was a neck there or not. Now, the 2002 reboot series had Skeletor with a floating head, but to we Skeletor neck purists out there, this proves absolutely nothing. In the end, the world may never know. And that is Skeletor. You know, my big thing, I always wonder if Skeletor, it's true, I never knew if he had a neck or not, but does he have traps? But you would think, he's got big, big shoulders, he's kind of bodybuilder-ish. Maybe he has, big does man. he have traps if he doesn't have a neck? I don't get it. What, what's going on there? I mean, he's got lots of traps, just maybe not on his neck. Touche. Touche. Uh, all right, moving on. <laughs> Here are the details for Blade. Blade was created by writer Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan and made his first appearance in the Tomb of Dracula number 10 back in July of 1973 as a supporting character, nonetheless. 
Blade, whose real name is Eric Brooks, was born as what is known as a damn fear, meaning half human and half vampire. While giving birth to him, Blade's mother was bitten and fed upon by her doctor, a vampire by the name of Deacon Frost. As a result, his vampiric enzymes were passed on to the infant child, giving him vampire-like superpowers and abilities. However, his human half took away all the weaknesses vampires have. Before having a chance to destroy the newborn, Deacon Frost was chased off, leaving Blade alive, but unfortunately killing his mother. This is really, really horrible. Blade was then raised in the mean streets of London, where he befriended and received training from numerous vampire hunters, enabling him to become the legendary hunter of vampires he is today. And here's an interesting fact about Blade. Did you know that both Stan Lee and... Michael Jackson were supposed to make cameos in the Blade films, the Wesley Snipes films? It's true. Marvel movies are known for their cameos, but Blade normally doesn't have many unless you count the supporting roles some of today's stars, such as Norman Reedus, had in Blade 2. Two well-known names who almost appeared are Stan Lee and Michael Jackson, but they never, never made it to the final products. Stan Lee was supposed to be the cop who discovers Quinn's burnt corpse after the opening massacre of the first Blade film, but this was cut. Meanwhile, Michael Jackson was supposed to be a vampire pimp what? A vampire pimp in the House of Pain in Blade wow. 2, but he dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. I'm using uh, air quotes around scheduling conflicts, by the way, because, yeah, Michael Jackson, vampire pimp. That's that's where his career, career has led him to. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Tommy, do you have any questions before we get started? I mean, uh, yeah, of course I have a lot of questions about what the casting announcements you just made. But sure, when it sure. comes to the characters, I feel pretty rock solid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, Ray, let's get this party started. Hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Skeletor. Let's just talk about some of the basics that we know about the character. Because one thing you'll find is that Blade is an awesome fighter. He's a great swordsman. He's obviously half vampire, so he has some physical abilities. But Skeletor is a cut above. Skeletor is a magic-wielding sorcerer, uh, just on a higher level than Blade. But we'll get there when we get there. First off, he's a genius. Skeletor is not just a dark magic user. Uh, he's also a skilled inventor. He oftentimes invents all these contraptions, including one time he invented one that created duplicates of himself, but each one was only about three feet tall. But he created, like... 900 Skeletors and sent them out throughout the realm. Now, the biggest problem with this is they were all him. So once He-Man said, once you defeat me, which one of you is going to be the one actually in charge, which caused them to do a heck of a lot of infighting and He-Man was able to pull the day. But the fact remains, Skeletor has that type of Reed Richards level intellect where he can just build uh, machines around him that can do dastardly things. He's also a tactical genius. He does not get credit for this. Before he joined Eternia and fell through that dimensional rift, he had conquered several galaxies, several universes. He was part of the Great Wars, and he won all of these wars. Skeletor, at the end of the day, is a conqueror, but the problem was all around him and all his soldiers were fellow Skeletor, you know, minions. When he got dropped on Eternia, he got Beastman, Merman, Whiplash, uh, Triclops, Snake, Stinkor. I mean, this is just the thing. He 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 has trouble with these minions because they screw up everything. His plans are good. His minions are bad, and there's really nothing he can do about it. And that's the frustration of a Skeletor that I think lands with me so strongly. 
At one point, uh, he in a crossover event, and I know crossovers less weight, but his magic was able to control Superman of all characters in a DC Comics crossover. And if you've got magic that can control Superman, what is Blade to you at that point? He can control Superman. He can control Blade. He's also got a magical cat with him. You think I'm going to forget? I'm going to lead with it. Panther. He is a giant purple panther that he rides into battle. And it's one thing to just be on foot, but when you are a mounted character, you have a lot more advantages in battle from a height advantage, a power advantage, and a speed advantage. He also carries a variety of good weapons with him. I mean, at one point he carried half of the power sword, which of course He-Man also carries. Remember in the toys, they were broken in half and each one had half of it and you could put them back together again. Well, that allows him to do magic blasts like Link from The Legend of Zelda and zap everybody from a distance if he wanted to. One thing I know about Blade, he tends to need to get in close to do his stuff. But more importantly, Skeletor carries the Havoc Staff which acts as sort of a crystal ball that he can kind of read the future and be a little omniscient with, that it also shoots force bolts. These force bolts are insanely powerful. I've seen him use the force bolts to uh, to to destroy like thick walls around him, like like feet after foot after foot of this like stone has just been wiped out by these force bolts. Uh, in the Christmas special, He Man Shira Christmas special, he shattered the ice under a snow beast and then dropped him down hundreds and hundreds of feet to the ground below. He's also used it uh, to make sleeping gas. Somehow, sleeping gas just came out of the ram's head of the uh, havoc staff. And he made everybody go to sleep. And the last things to talk about here, he can hypnotize people just by looking at them. His hypnotism and control are legendary. Again, they worked on Superman. And finally, he can just, he doesn't need the staff. He can project energy from his fingertips. Uh, and these fingertips to just blow out boulders, blow out walls, blow out everything. If he could just turn to you like the Emperor in Return of the Jedi and zap you one, he's going to drop you to your knees right there. You have to be the strongest man in the universe to oppose him, and Blade is not that. That is my point number one. I would call your point number one, I'd use a capital N. Ray Sikanis uses nonsense in his, his point number one. First of all, you're right, crossovers uh, should count for less. This wasn't even a crossover you mentioned. This is something that took place in a different dimension, a parallel dimension that doesn't, that's very well known. This whole Skeletor controlling Superman who then beat He-Man by punching whatever. This was not even the same universe. It's not canon whatsoever to the 80s version of this epi- of this uh, character we're using right now. First of all, uh, you know, you're saying he's this genius, but he couldn't figure out that Prince Adam and He-Man was, He-Man was just Prince Adam with a tan. For God's sake, what was going on with this? But he couldn't figure out a whole bunch of other things, too. If he's such a tactical genius, why did he have some horribly incompetent people all the time or characters with him all the time? Surely he could find different ones or sway some of even He-Man's, I don't know, uh, allies to kind of turn on him or do something or get the popular vote, convince the people that He-Man's evil and get the popular vote and vote him out. Surely there's something he could have done. He's such a tactical genius, and yet he didn't. Uh, listen, Panthro, that's a cool thing. I love, or sorry, Panther. What was the name of the Panther again, Ray? The name of the Panther is Panthor. Panthor. I thought it was going Panther. Yeah, Panthor. Very cool. Not in every episode. In fact, very rarely do we see Panthor. And finally, Skeletor. Again, that's the toy line. He never had half of the power sword in the series. That's not in this universe. That's not a thing. Now, let me get to my point number one. And let's call this for point number one, 
Blade's powers. Let's just kind of get to the nitty-gritty about this. So, Blade, again, he's a damn fear because he was born as a human-vampire hybrid, and as such, he's got all the vampire powers, but none of the weaknesses, but he's got some other cool stuff he can do. For example, he's got super strength. He's strong enough to pierce the Hulk's skin when he stabbed the Hulk in the Immortal Hulk version, which is a powerful version of the Hulk, with both of his swords. Listen, to be able to pierce the Hulk's skin with two swords is really, really hard. Captain America has a hard time hurting the Hulk with his shield because he can't throw it enough, yet... Uh, Blade pierced uh, the Hulk with two blades. Very, very powerful guy. He's got super stamina where he can fight for days on end. He's got super senses. These are his vampire senses. You can see in the dark, see and hear something from miles away. Has a sense of super smell where he can smell a drop of blood from a very big distance, etc., etc. But another sense he has is he can also tell if someone has magic or a supernatural ability or something supernatural is about them. He can sense that as a true sixth sense. He's got super speed. This is really cool. He's so fast that he can slice up a vampire into pieces with a sword before the vampire realizes it. He can dodge bullets coming at him at close range from every direction you can think of, multiple directions at the same time, can run down a vampire moving at flight at super speed, and when he moves, he actually leaves an after image of where he just was. You see this with Spider-Man doing all the time. This guy's really fast. On top of that, he's got that really cool superhuman agility and reflexes. He can actually keep up with Spider-Man in a fight when Spider-Man's doing his Spider-Man thing and buildings, flipping all over the place, doing crazy stuff. Blade can keep up. His reaction time is unparalleled. It is that fast. He's also an insanely hard target to hit. Good luck trying to hit him with a bullet or laser energy blast. It just doesn't happen that often. He's got superhuman durability. You know, he can survive. He said one time he survived a fiery explosion that collapsed a building. He got up and he's like, that wasn't too pleasant, but he was fine and could fight right away. Let's see. He gets hit in the chest by a hellfire amped Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, and then pinned under it. Now, how does he survive this? Well, he takes the punishment, comes up with a plan to counter counter this attack, and I'll explain more of that in my point number two and three. He's got a regenerative healing factor that Wolverine says is very close to being as good as his own. That's insane. That means he heals from stuff very, very quickly. Now, the one little caveat to that is he can't regenerate a body part. So if an arm gets cut off or whatever, that's 80 Skeletor. I don't think that's going to happen. But any injury he he gets, he can recover from that super, super fast. And of course, he's got a superhuman tolerance for pain. In fact, the more attacks that come at him, if he starts to feel pain, he just it almost like amps him up and gets him more ready to fight, and he actually kind of enjoys it. This is a very sadistic, crazy character. On top of that, again, no none of the same weaknesses as vampires. He's immune to sunlight. Religious symbols don't weaken him. Silver doesn't affect him the same way it does other vampires. And if all that wasn't good enough, he can also transform somewhat and grow out these bat-like wings that come out of his back. Of course, with the wings he can fly, which according to Race Decanus and many episodes of Who Would Win, the person who can fly gets a direct advantage in combat. That's actually a true fact. By the way, Blade is even faster with his wings. So how fast is he? This is awesome. When Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, was shaking hands with his character named Hyperion, that's Marvel's closest equivalent to Superman with similar powers, abilities, build the whole thing. Blade, in his wing form, swoops down, snatches Steve Rogers from in front of Hyperion, and whisks him away faster than Hyperion can react, right? So Hyperion didn't even know what happened. In fact, it wasn't until Blade stopped a long distance away that Steve Rogers even realized he wasn't shaking Hyperion's hand anymore. This is insane like speed. All of this is crazy, and all of this is my point number one. I mean, of course, James doing the typical James Gavsey thing. He brings up Blade's fight against the Immortal Hulk and says, look, he stabbed him. 
He, he, he pierced the flesh of a mortal Hulk when he stabbed him from behind. Obviously, he, what G. James didn't mention is that the Immortal Hulk didn't feel pain. The Immortal Hulk didn't take any damage from that attack. He was mildly annoyed by it, turned around very quickly, grabbed Blade and said, you think I'm a vampire? Can you turn into a bat? Blade says no. And Immortal Hulk then throws him 20 towns over in one shot. Immortal Hulk embarrassed Blade in this battle. This should not be... It's it's weird that James didn't mention any of the other things that happened and focused on this one tiny thing that didn't even matter. And that's the point. He didn't hurt the Hulk. He's not going to be able to hurt Skeletor uh, as well. The magic is just going to protect him. And, and one other thing I want to talk about being somebody who knows what it's like to have your team disappoint you, despite the fact that they're professionals, they're on the field, they do what they're going to do. I'm, of course, talking about Skeletor's minions. Look, they're the best he has. He's not going to convince Tila to come fight for him, James. He's not going to convince Ram Man to come join his side. He has the best fighters of his era on his side. They're just incompetent, and that's the problem. So you're saying that Skeletor is like the, I hate to say, Detroit Lions, who never won a Super Bowl. Well, I didn't name what team I was specifically talking about. I was talking only, James, of course, about Skeletor's minions and nothing else. Fair enough. All right. Listen, that's a very interesting rebuttal. Skeletor had Barry Sanders, for God's sakes, and could only win one playoff game with him. Uh, I'll never forget the Wayne Fonts Skeletor crossover episodes uh, of the early 90s. Truly a treasure. Uh, What a moment. Herman Moore, Wayne Fonts, the whole gang chopping it up together. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, and Beastman had to go and fumble the ball at the two. I'm just upset about it still. That's right. Classic, classic. All right, Tommy, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at with this battle so far? Uh, first of all, the memories are, are pouring back in of a, of a youth spent dreaming of being Prince Adam and wielding the sword and becoming He-Man. Now, I got to Blade a little later in life. Blade was a little naughty for me. I mean, it's well known I'm a child of divorce, and I hate to bring that up in every episode, but... <laughs> You know, before my parents went their separate ways, there was rules in our house. Some rules about movies, what we could watch. Once Dad left, the rules really went out the window with him. They left just as fast. And that's when movies like Blade came into my life. And I can remember, I know we're not talking about that version of Blade, but, you know, I get the gist. I get the origin story uh, as the minutia comes in and, and fills in the holes. I remember just how powerful Blade is. I'll be honest, guys, and I rarely mean this when I say this to you. It's a dead heat for me right now. It's a dead heat for me. Usually I'm lying just to make one of you feel better. (laughs) This time I'm not. I appreciate you doing that for James's ego. Mm, mm, You know, mm. for for the Legion of Audience, the fan base at home, all I got to say is I've never seen Tommy look better. I know it's a a podcast, audio podcast, but right now he's wearing this uh, Cobra Kai meets Rambo headband, (laughs) which is just giving him this like talking about masters of the universe. Mm. That's what I see when I look at Tommy Bechtold. I think you're absolutely correct. We are even at point number one, which means now it's time for the big guns. Go ahead, Ray. Hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Skeletor. I want to talk a little bit about his physicals and a little bit about his attitude as well. Because let's face facts. If you look at Skeletor, even compared to a a physical specimen like Blade, Skeletor is very, very strong. You could almost say they broke the mold when they made Skeletor, but I know that's not true because he has the same body as He-Man. 
So <laughs> having the same body as He-Man, having the same musculature as the strongest man in the universe, let's face facts, that says a lot about him taking care of himself, about his self-discipline, and as about his physical performances as well. He is exceptionally strong. You think about a sorcerer, especially a dark magic type of sorcerer, you think of some puny, shriveled guy who needs the magic in order to do X, Y, and Z, maybe just a function in day-to-day -day life, but Skeletor is a walking behemoth. Skeletor has muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. He's exceptionally strong. One time in the cartoon, he just got mad at Beastman, who was standing too close to him, gave him a little elbow, and Beastman, who's also a monster in his own right, flew across the room just by a little elbow bump from Skeletor. You might say they did it for comedy. I say they did it because Skeletor is that strong. Not just that. This is a guy who can dead-on take punches to the face from He-Man. We should point out for all at home, He-Man is the strongest man in the universe. There is no one stronger than He-Man. He-Man, if I remember right, kicked Lobo in the face and broke his jaw, James Gavsey, in a crossover event. He-Man defeated Superman when he fought him in a one-on-one -on -one battle of strength and speed. And Skeletor takes a beating from He-Man, sometimes on a daily basis, and doesn't just die, but he comes back looking no worse for wear. What that tells us is not only is he tough, not only is he strong, but he's durable as well. He has the stamina to fight He-Man and keep on going when one shot from that guy would put down literally anybody. Skeletor can take multiple hits over the course of a battle and keep on going. He also has a surprising amount of speed in there. With strength comes speed. We don't always see him moving around so fast, but we've seen him dodge in the cartoons. A lot of blasts, a lot of punches, a lot of whatever he needs to in order to get out of the way. And another thing I would point out is that outside temperatures don't affect him either. In the Christmas special, he was walking through the snow, uh, seemingly at the North Pole of whatever Eternia world that he was with two children and a dog that he wouldn't put down. And the cold, he wasn't even shivering. The two colds were dressed up in jackets and hats and scarves and they were trying to get there and they were cold. Skeletor had mostly flesh just exposed, didn't shiver a single time. So this is a guy who doesn't necessarily even feel pain. This is a guy who doesn't necessarily even feel cold. Look, at the end of the day, there is a reason why everyone in Eternia is afraid of him, including everyone that opposes him, but also everybody that works for him as well. If you think he's terrifying with his skull head, his ability to project magical blasts, his short temper, quite honestly, sometimes, Beastman, Merman, Evil Inn, they quake in fear at him. They all want to bump him off and replace him because they're terrible, terrible minions. But at the end of the day, when he shows up, they crap themselves. Why? <laughs> They're powerful, but not even a, a fraction as powerful as Skeletor is, and they would know they work with him. My last thing I'm going to leave you here was with a quote. You know, a lot of times these 80 villain, 80s villains like to run away. Uh, we've argued this in battles before, but one quote from that same Christmas special from Skeletor is, fights are fun. I like fights. He's not afraid to fight. This is a guy who's willing to get into it willing to step in there against a character like He-Man or whoever. He enjoys the idea of a fight. He's not going to back down from Blade, and that's my point number two. 
I, I, I really enjoyed your point number two, and I almost hate what I'm about to do because I really, really love Skeletor. I'm talking to the Skeletor fandom that's going to come after Race to Canis after this uh, battle is done. All right, so listen. You said similar musculature Skeletor has to He-Man. Look, we all know just because one person is big and strong and looks almost as big and strong as the person doesn't necessarily mean that the strength is the same. Look, Superman's big and strong. If you take a bodybuilder, regular human bodybuilder, and say, hey, put him compared to Superman. Wow, they actually look stronger than Superman. Are they? They are not. That's just how things work. Number two, how would Blade look in the 80s-style He-Man cartoon, I wonder? Would he be big and buff, like Skeletor, like Beastor, like He-Man, like Man of Arms? Man of Arms? Yes, he would. That's just a thing. Put Blade into that same cartoon universe, which would be really cool, by the way, and he's just as big and strong. And finally, on top of that, I should say, look, I, I really hate this because I hated the fact he did this. He-Man held back all the freaking time. When did he punch someone in the face, Ray? When did he just go up to someone and say, look, I'm really tired of what you're doing. I've given you 100 chances. You're still doing this. Screw this. And just beat the heck out of someone, gave him a good shot to the face. He didn't do that because he always held back. And Skeletor kind of banked on that. Now, wait a minute, James. It's one of three animations that existed in the Masters of the Universe cartoon was He-Man rearing back and punching the camera, a.k.a. somebody's face. It's one of three things he was able to do animation-wise on the show. I will push back on that. I'll push back on your pushback because whenever we saw that in the cartoon, it was him smashing a wall, a mountain, a building, an inanimate object. Really impressive. Not someone's face at the end of that punch. By the way, I really wish there was. And look, you know, with strength comes speed. You're telling me powerless are the fastest people on earth not the case here and finally finally walking through the snow without a jacket that's called every day in canada where i lived in ottawa that's just a thing people do i'm sorry those kids were very unaccustomed to the cold and were shivering and all that kind of good stuff look all of this is horrible stuff about skeletor because I, I love that character let me get to my point number two and kind of differentiate these characters with blade so point number two is about the badassery of blade just the pure badassery look Blade is an absolute freaking monster when it comes to fighting. His mastery over weapons, his fighting style, his fighting IQ, which is at a genius level, by the way, and his overall never-going-to-stop attitude is going to be much more than Skeletor can handle, guaranteed. So first of all, he's a fighting master. He has literally mastered all the fighting styles and martial arts systems in the world, and he typically fights and beats opponents who are more powerful than him because of insane fighting ability. Look, if you are well over 100 years old, I believe he is, and are dedicated to training and learning how to be a killer— you're going to have kind of a James Gavsey type of force of nature when it comes to fighting about you. That's just a common thing that happens. He's also a master marksman when it comes to guns of all types, daggers, improvised weapons. Blade is superhumanly accurate and deadly. He's so superhumanly accurate that he took out a vampire's fangs from across a large room using a dagger. He took out a vampire's fangs using a dagger from across the room, and he did it just nonchalantly. Boom, did it, because that's what he can do. This is crazy. Uh, one of Blade's favorite tactics is to throw a dagger into the barrel of any gun-like weapon pointed at him, regardless if it's in front of him, to the side, or behind him. He's just that superhumanly accurate. That's thanks to all that vampire power he's got about him. He's a master of using firearms. Again, guns are his jam. Put a gun of any type in his hands. He'll know how to use it perfectly, how to hit whatever target he chooses, and he carries guns on him all the time. He's got... Uh, I believe, a shotgun and two very powerful handguns. And he's also got tons of ammo on him at all times. He's also a master of using bladed weapons, speaking of blade, especially swords. Marvel officially states that Blade is proficient in every form of weaponry known to man, and that includes the use of improvised weapons. One time a demon attacked Blade while Blade was in the shower, because that's the thing. And Blade does what he does. He avoids the attack completely and then proceeds to cut off the demon's head with a piece of broken glass from the shower, because when you're attacked in the shower, 
cut off that guy's head just to send a message. Speaking of weapons, let's talk about the weapons Blade has on him at all times. He uses a small, he's got a small arsenal of weapons. He's got them all over. Remember, he's got a jack and does all that kind of cool stuff with it. He's got Tequa Dackers, Adamantium, Acid Edge, Bladed Weapons. His Blade weapons are all sharpened to a nano point or nano point, so they can evidently pierce armor and super durable people. He's got Kevlar body armor. He's got automatic and semi-automatic firearms converted for use with hollow points, which do way more damage than regular bullets. I feel like a monster, by the way, saying that Blaze can use hollow point bullets against a beloved, iconic 80s cartoon character. But that's what the Hoodwin show does to me. It just brings out the monster me as well. Let's see. He's also got a superpowered taser that took out the Hulkling. It's a big, huge green guy who can change shape like a changeling. He's not really the Hulk, but he's called the Hulkling, but still a super powerful guy. And he's got that taser on him at all times. Let's see. He's got a grappling hook, because why not? He's got bombs that he can place somewhere and detonate remotely. And a special and very cool glasses that he wears that prevent him from being hypnotized or mind controlled. That's a thing. And he also carries his sword, his very special sword, which works really well against magical and supernatural beings. Remember, Blade is considered a supernatural being. He hangs out with Doctor Strange and other supernatural beings and takes on supernatural opponents, demons from hell, you know, vampires, etc. So his main weapon, his sword, is also supernaturally treated, for lack of a better term, to take them out. It can distort spells. Disrupt supernatural-based teleportation, can take down demons. By the way, it's also made out of adamantium, because why not? Sounds like it's kind of custom-made to take on and take out Skeletor, but there's more. Blade is a master of stealth. He knows how to hide himself and take out you know anyone from hiding places or to make himself almost seemingly disappear. Uh, I want to mention this, but Blade is also insanely hard to hit. He was able to weep between Deadpool's bullets when Deadpool was firing out of blank point range. Again, Deadpool couldn't hit him with bullets in his attacks. Not sure Skeletor is going to be able to either. And what's my favorite aspect of Blade's badassery? It's his power of intimidation. This is crazy. He can trash talk, tank damage, and fight in such a way as where Marvel lists, quote-unquote, intimidation as one of his abilities. Because he just won't stop in a fight until he takes you out very, very viciously, despite what's going on with him. And you know who has gotten intimidated sometimes in fights in the 80s? That would be Skeletor. Again, I hate to say it, but it did happen. All of that is my point number two. Stop it. Stop it, James. You're going to tell me, you're going to say Blade shows up of all people and Skeletor is going to be scared of him. Skeletor is going to be calling him names. Skeletor is going to be insulting him, his family, his appearance, his intellect, his weapons, and everything else. Like what we know about Skeletor is that Skeletor, when he sees a warrior that he has respect for, what does Skeletor try to do? He tries to defeat them, then he tries to demean them, then he tries to control them. That's how he was able to get all these other minions on his side to begin with. Skeletor is the champ at doing this. And if he sees Blade pulling out some of these wild swords, guns, items, Skeletor's one of his big things he does is he disarms his opponents, takes the weapons, and uses them himself. So if these swords are good, great. They're going to be used on Blade. If these guns are great, great. They're going to be used on Blade because this is what Skeletor does. And what is a hail of bullets going to do against against an energy blast? The bullets will either go away or be pushed in the opposite direction right back towards Blade again. Absolutely outrageous. And let's face facts. Skeletor already has a minion named Blade. He was in the movie. They later, uh, you know, have been using him in other steps. But who can forget the 1987 Masters of the Universe movie when Skeletor commanded Blade? I believe that that was just a representation of this battle that had not happened for another 25 or so years in the future. 
35 years in the future. Look, time is an illusion. Lunchtime, doubly so. My point is, is that Skeletor is going to defeat Blade and then convert him to his side and use him as one of his minions. I was going to give you insane pushback until you did the unthinkable and brought up the masterpiece that is known as Masters of the Universe from the 80s. That was a great, great movie. Never saw it, but I was told I should. Uh, all right. Saw so, it in theaters. Don't regret a second of it. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren, a national treasure of every nation, by the way. Absolutely. All right. We are at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Tommy tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Tommy has to say... Let's celebrate the Hoodwin Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today we're going to go back to one of our favorite patrons, one of the newer ones, Tennyson Cole. Ooh. You are back on the hot seat. Good luck in battle. Oh, wow. Tennyson Cole is undefeated and has just triumphed easily over some of the craziest competition we've thrown him. All right, I'm just going to do it. Let's do the unthinkable. Tennyson Cole... Versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow, by himself. Now, some would say four-on-one is a disadvantage, but Tennyson Cole has the moves. Nobody knows this, but he's studied martial arts, probably is the one who trained Splinter, who, of course, is the one who trained the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So the four turtles are going to stand before him, wearing their brightly colored masks, uh, unless it's comic book version, in which case they're all wearing red, as we all know. But then again, it even just depends on the comic. My point I'm trying to make here is, is that there's nothing the Turtles are going to do on a Kung Fu level that Tennyson Cole will not have studied and mastered literal decades before this battle even took place. And so he's going to see a kick, a flip, a kip up. He's going to see a, a jump in the air with a sword slash. And he's just going to easily, as if moving through light water, in a, in a shower fall, and he's going to get around every single one of the attacks and with a lightning precision strike out at each of the four Ninja Turtles. And at the end of the day, Tennyson Cole will be the one eating turtle soup. Yeah, I can't argue with this kind of logic. Tennyson Cole gets the win again. Will we ever have an opponent for Tennyson Cole that uh, Tennyson can't handle? The only one I could think of is Nathan Fair, but we'll get there someday. Ugh, I don't know if the world can handle that. All right. Well done, Tennyson. Now, remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the turning point. Tommy, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Well, a couple things first. Uh, the only thing or only person that can beat Tennyson Cole is, of course, Elevenson Diamond. Uh, and that has been <laughs> a fact from day one. Another sure. thing, I'm glad you invoked the Ninja Turtles because I believe the Ninja Turtle action figures were made out of molds for He-Man action figures, right? Did we not learn that? That when they were making the Ninja Turtles toy line, they basically acquired the old He-Man molds uh, for some of the other characters and put turtle heads on them? Back to business. I will have one more fun fact before the end of this episode that I've been dying to share with an audience, so I, I will share with your audience. But first, let's talk turkey. Uh, James, you mentioned that Blade could throw daggers into the ends of guns, and to me, that was desperate. We're talking about magic. We're talking about energy here. Skeletor doesn't shoot guns. He doesn't need to shoot guns. He's a sorcerer, uh, and, and quite frankly, uh, uh, what we would call a straight-up yoked sorcerer. Okay, he's a sorcerer with gains for days. I, I'm not impressed by that. Uh, but, Ray, you know, like a prize fighter, uh, you're getting on my last nerve with these crossover points. They don't count. I don't want you, I don't want you like Skeletor, trying to confuse me with points that I shouldn't be taking into consideration. 
Don't think I don't know the rules. This isn't my first rodeo. This isn't my first triple dub, okay? I've been on the Who Would Win show quite a few times. You keep doing crossovers. I'm going to have to seriously consider taking them against you. However, Ray, on a positive note, I do believe you are currently leading simply by, I have to say, I understand Blade is powerful. I understand Blade is interesting. But one thing, Blade, you've only given me is a terrestrial comprehension of Blade's achievements, whereas we have an intergalactic conquering warlord in Skeletor who has conquered whole universes, Eternia notwithstanding, Eternia proving to be his his Ahab's white whale, if you will. But we cannot forget what he did prior to that canonically in the cartoon. So what I need to hear from you is some examples of Blade perhaps taking on beyond just the supernaturals, beyond your werewolf by nights, beyond your moon nights, beyond your Draculas, beyond your 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 Frankenstein's monster. I need to hear about Blade taking down some larger forces. I need to see some big boss battles in this final round, uh, if you will. I rest my point. <laughs> that That's a good point to rest on. Uh, Tommy Bechtold. All right. My work is cut out for me, but I think I may have something that just may work, but who knows? Ray, you're in the lead. Let's see if you can keep it. Here's your point number three. Point number three for Skeletor, one of the greatest characters in history, is let's talk about his actual magical abilities. Because I was dancing around basic magic stuff that we've seen over and over again, but Skeletor has a vast array of knowledges and magics that he can draw from with the dark arts. First off, he's big into occult magic, which means that, you know, he sees the secrets of the universe. I don't think that there's a trick that Blade is going to be able to pull out that Skeletor, through his mastery of the occult, won't know about. Even if he doesn't know Blade, he'll be able to notice a vampire when he still sees one because he has that base set of knowledge inside of him, and he'll be able to deal with him, quite frankly, like he may have dealt with a vampire in a previous universe. But some of the other abilities that he has that we've only touched upon... He can grow and manipulate plants at will. Some There are some supervillains who that's their whole thing. That's the only thing they do. For Skeletor, that's a throwaway power he only uses every so often when he wants to. At one point, Man-at-Arms and another character were standing on kind of a cliffside looking down at him saying, we're going to go get you, Skeletor. And he's like, nah. And he shoots a beam at a tree. And with a very, very quick speed, the tree grows, wraps them up, and he just walks away safely because they've been entangled and they've been encumbered and they're out of, out, out of luck, unfortunately. He could also cast illusions. He could also cast illusions which trick people. And he can make it look like there's 50 Skeletors all around, for example, when there's not 50 Skeletors around. So Blade, when he's fighting, thinks he's just going to be fighting one guy. But he's going to constantly find himself slashing at Skeletors that don't exist. Because Skeletor can also jump in and out uh, with portals. He is a portal fighter, as we learned uh, in the in one in some of the different cartoon series, here's a guy who, if things start looking bad, he just opens up a portal, steps out, and then steps up back over there on the battlefield and fights you from there. He'll open up a portal and then just lob things, fireballs, and energy blasts at you from inside the portal where you can't even hit him. 
This is who Skeletor is, and this is who Skel- how Skeletor fights when he uh, when he's pushed to his limits. You know, he can cast illusions, portal away, and then get you where he wants to get you, and then nail you from behind when he needs to. One of my favorite Skeletor moments because he he has it's a weird ability to like break the fourth wall with his magic. Who can forget the the image that we all remember of Skeletor transporting himself by walking into a mirror and then punching the mirror behind him to shatter it. Uh, not allowing anyone to follow him. He's able to do that. I'm just not sure a vampire with a couple swords and an Uzi has an answer for what Skeletor is bringing to the table. He also uses power drain rays that can zap the strength. He can just zap the strength of the will to fight. He did it to He-Man. He's done it to everybody in this Masters of the Universe worlds. Of course he could also do it to Blade, drop him down to his knees, and just win the fight like that because Blade won't have the strength to continue afterwards. But the big, big steps and where he actually wins his battle is one time he blasted Prince Adam and Orko at the same time with an immobilization power, a freeze spell, if you will. And Prince Adam, He-Man, wasn't able to move. He wasn't able to move. He wasn't able to fight back. He was completely at the whim of Skeletor. And Skeletor doesn't bust out this ability all the time, but when he feels he needs to, boom, boom. He just left Orko behind, but he teleported himself with Prince Adam to some jungle location saying, if He-Man wants Adam, He-Man can come get Adam. I'm going to hold on to Adam until He-Man comes to get him. Oops, didn't really know what was going on there, but that's the whole point. Skeletor is a master of portals. Skeletor is a master of teleportation. He can whip people right off the battlefield to wherever the heck he wants them to go. And we saw what happened when Blade got thrown by a mortal Hulk and he got thrown like many burrows away. Tony Stark's Iron Man had to fly over in shame and go retrieve him and bring him back to the battlefield. Without somebody there to bring Blade back, once he gets teleported, once he gets portaled, he's gone. And at the end of the day, that's all Skeletor has to do to declare victory in this battle. It's an easy win. And that's my point number three. You know, here's the deal with all of this as a pushback to this. I actually do enjoy the fact that using a lot of one-offs. Like one time Skeletor did this and one time Skeletor did that. Now, everything I'm talking about, these are things mostly that Blade has done all his life. But I think I'm going to pull off a few one-offs as well just to kind of match Ray's savagery that he brought to point number three. Now, in terms of casting illusions, I've already said this. This is not going to work on Blade because he can detect what is partly supernatural, what is supernatural, what is not. He's got that extra sensory, that sixth sense where he can tell if there's magic about you or if there's no magic about you. An illusion something he can easily, and has done before, see through because he's like, no, that's just not a real thing. I can tell. He can tell when there's magic about a person and illusions won't work. Let's see, Skeletor uses portals. I do like that, but you know, here's the thing. He doesn't use them combatively, and I wish he did. I really wish he did. I wish he would like use half a portal and just teleport away someone's leg. They step on the portal, the portal, you know, he drops in, he closes it, and all of a sudden they're missing a leg or something. That would truly show the monstrous side of Skeletor, but he didn't really do it. What do you use no, portals wait, wait, for? Wait a minute, hold on right there, James, because uh, if you'd seen any of my Masters of the Universe action figures from back in the 80s, many were missing legs. So are you <laughs> sure Skeletor doesn't do that? Not only am I sure about that, but it's really, I did want to bring this up, it's really strange that all of your quote-unquote action figures that were missing legs were actually like small dead squirrels you kept in your shed in the backyard. I'm not trying to judge Ray, but they were missing legs and other body Look, parts. Battle Cat was expensive, James. And scratched you a whole lot before. Anyway, 
Uh, moving on. On top of that, listen, you know, the power drains a one-off as well. That's cool. Prince Adam couldn't handle the freeze ray. That's not he meant. That was Prince Adam, the regular person. James, have That's I got good. news for you about the character? <laughs> about uh, Prince Adam? It turns out Prince Adam is actually He-Man. I know. I know. I know. You know what's crazy? Prince Adam is just as powerful as He-Man before he raises the sword and says those magical words. No, he is not. He's a regular guy, carries around a cool sword, uh, doesn't have quite the tan that He-Man has, but doesn't have anywhere near his power. That's all my pushback. Let me get, finally, to my point number three, where all this is going to be very, very clear. No dead animals, nothing crazy, just pure Blade magic. So my point number three, let's talk about Blade's big wins, his big things he's done, and some of Skeletor's weaknesses, which are unfortunate, but he's got some. Look, Skeletor has a few insanely glaring weaknesses that you might miss if you don't look close enough. So, for example, Skeletor is like Ray Sicanus. He's very arrogant. He doesn't think he can lose a fight. He goes into most battles way too overconfident. How many times did his arrogance, his overconfidence contribute to him losing the battle where he just couldn't see, supposedly a fighting genius and a genius and all that kind of tactician, but he couldn't see ways that he could lose the fight. He's like, no, I got this. No problem. We're all going to celebrate. A tourneo will be mine. And then he loses horribly. This happened seemingly all the time in the 80s. Let's see. Skeletor also isn't the most skilled fighter. Look, when it comes to magic and sorcery, Skeletor is pretty capable. I'm not going to deny that. But when it comes to actual fighting technique, he just doesn't have it. He can do a couple of things here and there. He's not a fighting master. When you have better fighting technique and you're that kind of a savage, willing to kill, willing to rip someone apart against someone who's not quite there, you know, combatively, that's bad news for Skeletor. Let's take talk about some of the big wins and fights for Blade. Look, Tommy, you said you didn't want to hear it, but I got to say it. Look, he's taken on, because I just like saying this, he fought and beat and killed where snakes, where slugs, where bugs, where rhinoceroses, where octopi, and most dangerous of all, where honey badgers. By the way, the where snakes were all also ninjas. Just a thing I thought it'd be fun to bring up. He took out four Doombots that were, in his words, designed to go toe-to-toe with the Fantastic Four. Doombots are, of course, the highly capable robotic forms of Doctor Doom. Let's see. He's beaten Dracula. He beat Spider-Man when he turned into a vampire. He beat Wolverine. beat Deadpool. He fought free of 100 vampires who were daywalkers, surrounded him, wanted to kill him, fought free of them. Uh, let's see. He's got a kill count on my lawn. Let's, see. let's talk about the very big, almost like intergalactic, crazy, powerful person. He has a win over Doctor Strange. This is kind of crazy. He fought Ghost Rider to a draw, and that's important because who controls Ghost Rider? It's a demon called Zerathos, and uh, Blade has a clear win over Zerathos. Zerathos is a massively superpowered ultimate demon from hell who fights with Mephisto for control over hell all the time. Let's see. When he got pinned by that hell-infused Mjolnir I mentioned before, and this is by Thor, who's now infused by the power of hell and is all evil and everything. So what did he do? He just waited for the Mjolnir to come back to Thor. Everyone turns around and says, let's talk about let's make sure Blade's okay, but like where'd Blade go? He held on to Mjolnir, got thrown through the air or taken through the air, and as he went back to Thor, had his sword out and stabbed Thor through the face, through the eye, kind of hurting him in a big way. It didn't take Thor out, but it was just a cool thing he did. Look, in terms of the big things, Blade's got a couple of upgrades as well. Blade, uh, let's see, he read from this book called The Darkhold. We saw this in the Multiverse of Madness, last Doctor Strange movie. He read from this and became insanely powerful. And as a result, he got this massive powerful, he's so powerful that Blade attempts to enter, he's going to enter this dimension controlled by a character named Chathon. I know it's a weird name. And Chathon is an ancient god who wants to destroy 
the multiverse, not the universe of the Marvel Universe he wants to destroy, the multiverse. Blade with his power up now is going to take on Shathan. That's pretty cool. Now, whether he does or doesn't, that's not the point. It's the fact he's taking on someone who is a bigger threat than Thanos was with the Infinity Stones. And also, at this point, has a good chance of beating him. This is crazy. But there's one more ace that Blade had, uh, has up his sleeve that's been around for quite some time. He hasn't used it. He's waiting for that special occasion. It seems that, and this is a real thing, heaven Yes, Heaven owes Blade a favor. So at one point, Blade fought on God's side, yes, God's side, and helped Heaven get a big win. An angel told Blade that because of what he did, that he can call on a favor from Heaven when he needs it. Now, this is kind of ambiguous, but remember, Blade is an ultimate warrior type, very vicious. If he's getting kind of chopped or, you know, getting the bad end from Skeletor, which I don't think is going to happen... Why wouldn't he say, hey, heaven, need a favor? That's going to be a big thing. He's going to either atomize Skeletor, destroy the whatever it is. That's a great favor to have. So if Skeletor somehow does get the upper hand, again, Blade's got this power up. He's got this favor from heaven. And he's taken on these massive superheroes, super villains and threats before and come out ahead. This is why Skeletor loses. This is why Blade wins. And that's my point number three. Wow, you want to talk about ultimate Hail Marys. I think that James just threw one. Yeah, it would take an act of God for Blade to win this, but the fact that your ultimate final argument is outside interference in a battle that does not allow for outside interference, I think is telling. That's how far behind you clearly are in this battle. Look, the powers of heaven and being out of favor, that is some that is some wild theory crafting, quite honestly, and of course relies on outside interference. I'm not even going to waste more time with it because it is sort of a silly point. Oh, he fought werebugs. Oh no, James, he fought snakes. Oh no, that's not Skeletor. That's not even close. Tommy asked for big, big fights and big things. You brought up, you know, when he stabbed Thor and then immediately afterwards, you're like, well, he didn't actually really hurt him. And that's the point, James, is that you talked about him stabbing Hulk. Didn't really hurt him. Got dispatched with very quickly. He stabbed Thor. Didn't really hurt him. Got dispatched with, I'm assuming, not knowing the comic very, very quickly. Blade can hit people. He can't actually hurt them when they're a certain power level, and Skeletor is that power level. I could bring up the fact that Skeletor has summoning magic and that he's used it many, many times to summon uh, uh, people to the battlefield, but I was I was actually about to. But your wild heaven example uh, now just suddenly feels like the same thing, so I'm going to leave it off the table because it really doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense here. At the end of the day, Skeletor's got the teleportation, the portals, and the freeze ray, and the, ray, uh, the power drain ray that zaps all your strength, and Blade has an Uzi, and he's kind of fast, and he's got a sword. I mean, that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, Skeletor just has too much to stop Blade, too much to put him down. And all you've done, James, is given us examples of when Blade almost did something good and then was quickly defeated afterwards. Same thing's going to happen here. I see Blade actually coming through with a sword chop, and he's going to try to cut Skeletor's head off. And he's going to go for it in one go. But what's the truth of it, James? Skeletor has no neck as I brought about in my initial point. I'm going to reveal it here. It's not shadows. Skeletor has no neck, and the blade's going to go all the way through, do nothing. Skeletor's going to say, you fool! And he's going to zap him with the Havoc Staff and send him away. Skeletor wins this battle, and that's the end of the story. It's a wonderful story, Ray. <clears throat> I, I'm pretty sure you reenacted that with your uh, quote-unquote action figures back in the day that were missing legs. All right. I did. Tommy Bechtold, it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Blade and Skeletor. Wow. 
Wow, wow, wow. This is, honest to goodness, the hardest decision I've had to make in my in my in my runs as a who would win uh decider. I, I have to say, because I don't know, I don't have a firm grasp on the damage Skeletor can take. You know what I mean? Like there's not really his damage is usually fleeing, right? His damage is usually saving his own hide. Once uh, victory seems inevitable, Ray, uh, the the occult magic makes a lot of sense to me. It, it, it makes me think that he would be much more hip to Blade's abilities than we would assume. James, you actually, I think, possibly inadvertently further proved a point for me and gave me what I wanted. Mephisto, of course, uh, rules over a dominion uh, of hell. But it is actually a pocket dimension that he has crafted to look like what the earthbound humans consider hell to be. It's not literally meant to be interpreted as hell. It's Mephisto's way of convincing people to make bargains with him and tricking earthlings into thinking they're making a deal with the literal devil. However, he rules over another dimension, which is what I was showing. Show me someone with victories over a person who rules over another dimension. So I... I applaud that point. I take that point. Now is where I stop because I want to give my fun other fun fact. Did you know that Dr. Doom's suit, canonically in the 70s, was infused with the cross that Jesus was crucified on so that Dracula couldn't attack him? Did you know that? Did you know that? That was canon in the I MCU. Did not, I did not know that, but it kind of makes a lot of sense. If that's not a plot point in Phase 5, I'm quitting the MCU. I was flabbergasted when I found that out. Okay, now, back to the decision. Skeletor, no doubt a powerful sorcerer. Blade, a powerful vampire. And to me, Skeletor trying to inflict damage on Blade when Blade can move around so fast. And let's be honest, despite a very valiant pitching of Skeletor's abilities, at no point did slowing Blade down ever become something that you convinced me Skeletor could do. I simply believe this fight would end with Skeletor manifesting a mirror, punching it, walking through it, and leaving the field of battle out of pure frustration. I don't know that Blade could kill Skeletor. I do know that he could outlast him. My victory, and the final victory of Shocktober, ends the thought of a sweep and gives a pitiful only one victory to James Gibbs. I'll take it. I'll take it. I got to tell you something, Tommy. I agree with you 100%. And I love Skeletor. I hate myself partially for going against such an iconic character that I love. Almost as, love, as much as I love Skeletor, uh, Lord Megatron, I should say. Another iconic mm, character from yeah. the 80s. But the thing is, I wish. I remember watching reruns of He-Man and Masters of the Universe uh, you know, as a kid and saying, like, why doesn't Skeletor – I was actually going for Skeletor quite often – why doesn't he stab someone? Why doesn't yeah. he hold Orko for ransom well, and send body parts of Orko the same way Ray does with his action figures to his friends? I'm just saying there's so much more Skeletor could have I, done, but he didn't. I would say the Skeletor from the 2020 currently airing iteration produced by Kevin Smith would be a much more formidable foe for Blade because that Skeletor murders, yes, uh, sends people to an underworld. Does, I believe, stabs He-Man through the chest. True. Like, I mean, that Skeletor, as we say in the biz, uh, he's got that dog in him. Yep. That's that Skeletor true. Skeletor has that dog in him. 
So it brings me no joy, Ray. I don't, you know, I don't want to go against you. I thought you did a wonderful job. Like I said, this was hard for me. This was really hard for me, but it's undeniable. Blade can move, I mean, so quickly. Skeletor, he's just in that cart in the in the cartoon, he's just so frequently fooled by He-Man that I have a hard time believing Blade couldn't get one over him. And he also is a bit of a crybaby in the cartoon. That's true. And I do believe he would leave the field of battle. Uh, out of frustration over not being able to hit Blade. Uh, so that's all. That, I'm sorry, guys. You know, I try and do a fair job. I can tell by Ray's face he's disappointed. I feel like I've let my friend down, and I never feel good about that. But just remember, Ray, we're only four short months away from pitchers and catchers. Tiger season is almost upon us. Uh, it's never bad when baseball's this close. You won three in a row, which is admirable. One of those wins was really questionable, by the way. And you were almost there for a clean sweep of Shocktober. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, how you feel right now with this loss. Disappointment comes in many forms. There's going out for a job, doing seven interviews over the course of five weeks, and then suddenly realizing they just forgot your resume on a desk somewhere and you, you just don't get hired. That's disappointment. Disappointment is when I wanted to go to see the Atlanta Braves play in the World Series back in 1999 against the New York Yankees and see them truly come through like the multiple champion team that I knew that 90s Braves team to be and had not strove to be and then watch them lose 8-2 to two in a game that was over in the second inning as my one time ever going to a World Series game. And then there's today on the Who Would Win show. <laughs> When Tommy Bechtold heard every argument that I had to say, clear, concise, it made sense. I told a logical story, said I was in the lead after point number two, and then turns around and says, I don't know, Blade is fast, James wins. Seems a little silly to me. Seems like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, considering that Skeletor in his own cartoon, and the reason I chose this version is because he fought the most powerful man in the universe with the sword, didn't get stabbed a single time, didn't shed a single drop of blood. Does he have? Do, do we know that he has blood? Some, we don't know because he never shed it. Mm. All right. You know, as the, as the documentary uh, Predator taught us, if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> and we've never seen Skeletor bleed. I feel like you've distilled my points down to a little bit too fine of a point. But I, I understand your grievance. And like I said, it was a tough decision. It brings me no joy to make this decision. I'm not going to sleep tonight or eat a healthy breakfast tomorrow. I'll be a shell of a man for days, Ray. I won't soon recover from this, and I hope that that gives you some solace. That while I may have not awarded you the victory, I have awarded myself a sentence of pure misery for the next 48 to 72 hours. While that does bring me joy, I have taken your judgment, and I have boiled it down to the finest specks of dust, and I will now wear that in a locket around my neck. That's fair. Until the next time I have an opportunity to win four in a row. We could have had Captain Carrot on this show. And now we don't. Oh, I didn't think about that. I reversed my decision. Uh, Thank you. Finally, the first judge to see uh, here we go. to see truth and reverse his decision. That counts. I forgot. Four in a row. I forgot Skeletor about Skeletor is our Garrett. champion today. I forgot about Captain Carrot. Who can forget about... Hashtag Victory Friday. Hashtag Ray is right. Hashtag Ray was not robbed for Tommy. Reversed his decision. A first on the Who Would Win show. Four in a row. Captain Carrot is coming this year.
Anyway, I appreciate the win, Tommy. I, I earned it. <laughs> I deserved it. Unlike the action figures that Ray got in the back of his shed and sent body parts to everywhere. I actually, uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. He just has dead animals in the back of the shed. Look, here's the deal, Tommy. You are fantastic. This was a really hard battle. And you did a great job, as you always do. Like, whenever we have a really crazy battle and we're like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. It's going to go down to the wire. We know we can count on Tommy Bechtel to come in, give us the logic, give us the right answer, and just make our fan base say, you know what? Regardless if I want my character to win or not, it was the right decision. You do that 100%. You do that 100% of the time. Good, sir. And I'm just trying to say I enjoy it. Please come back to the Who Would Win show. With that being said, tell our audience, the Legion of Audience, that is, where they can find you online. You can find me on all platforms at Tommy Bechtold and dear God, drop me a message. You know, let me know you're out there. If you're furious with me, I can handle it. You know, I've got brothers and sisters. They're mad at me all the time. Send me a DM. I'll respond. It may not be nice. You may not like what I respond with, but I'll respond. (laughs) Where can they find you on YouTube, by the way? You can find me at New Rockstars live every day on the break room from three to four. And of course, on Wednesdays covering and or on our smash hit program Wookie Leaks. So catch me on either of those fine programs. And uh and you know what? Catch me in the streets and catch these hands. Uh is what I always say. Ooh. Okay. All right. I'd like to see that. All right. Race to Canis. Very close battle today. You came a little short, but you were still giving it a valiant effort. Tell our Legion of Audience where they can find you online. What I have to say about this decision is it reminds me of every Far Cry game after Far Cry 3 in that I'm not buying it. Tommy, you come in, you do a great job normally, and then you get this abysmal decision, this this Captain Carrot denying decision, and and I'm glad you're seeing a little darkness inside you. I'm glad you're self-reflecting. I'm glad that your natural impulse is to reverse the decision. And I will, in fact, hold you to what you said because I am a man of the people. I am a man of my word, and you said it, and your word is golden. This decision has been reversed. In fact, James, if you're not afraid, since there is such controversy about this decision already from me, let's put it as a vote to the people. Who do the people think won this battle? If you're not a chicken, if you're not afraid, let's put it on at who would win show on Twitter. Let's put it right there for everybody to see where the fans can vote on who they think actually won this battle based on the merits of the arguments because I have a strong feeling. 98% of our audience, because 2% are morons, will vote in favor of Skeletor and me, and I will be champion, ultimate champion of Shocktober, and Captain Carrot will be appearing on this show. You can find me on Twitter, at Almighty Ray. You can listen here in the holiday season of Halloween. You can listen to Reclaimed Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama at VampireDetroit.com or at VampireDetroit on Twitter. I wrote it, produced it, I'm in it. Five episodes currently exist and we're working on more. VampireDetroit.com for the Halloween season. Vote. Vote for Skeletor. Vote for change. Vote like your life depends on it. Because it does. 
Ray, every Thursday we, we put out a post on multiple platforms for the Who Would Win show of uh, do you agree with the decision? This isn't a new thing. We've been doing this for years. Just wondering if you knew that. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gadsy. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Cicadis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Sup everyone, Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and movie trivia podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.